Hey guys, this is Alana Terry. I hope that you had a great holiday season. I want to wish you a fabulous end to 2020. This is our end of year wrap up episode. I want to thank you guys who have been in our podcast audience for a while and say hello and welcome to those of you who have just found us in this past year. It's been a really nice way for me to basically just get some of my thoughts out. I was going to say get them out on page, but this isn't writing. This is talking, but it's been a nice way for me to think through some of the things that I have been learning or researching, whether that has to do with productivity or creativity or book marketing. I really enjoy being able to put out this podcast for you and wants to thank you for being here with me. Before we really dive into the meat of today's episode, I want to invite you to join me on January 3rd, 2020, if you're hearing this episode in time. I am going to be leading a goal-setting retreat for authors. This will be a virtual online retreat where we're going to take a couple hours to reflect on 2020, set our goals for the new year. I'm really hoping that this will be a time of healing. 2020 has been a hard year for just about everybody. And I'm really hopeful that by coming together and enjoying a sense of community and mutual encouragement, that we can find some resilience and some inspiration to get us ready for 2021. If you're in our members group or our Patreon group, you have already gotten an invitation to this. So just check your messages there. And if you're not part of our Successful Writer All Access membership or our Writing Cave Patreon group, you can also come and join us. What you can do to get your invitation link is make a donation to our Liberty in North Korea fundraising page. You can find that at courses.alanaterry.com slash fundraiser. And after you make a donation of any size you want, please forward me your receipt at coach at and I will send you a link to join us. But this all has to happen before this Saturday, January 3rd. And again, if you're in our Patreon Writing Cave group or our Successful Writer All Access membership, you've actually already gotten a free invite here. And if not, please consider making a donation to Liberty in North Korea. That money goes directly to their Underground Railroad for Refugees. I just set up the fundraising page. And then email me your donation receipt to coach at alanaterry.com. And that is how you can get your invite link to join us for our virtual goal setting retreat this Saturday. So last year, it's episode 52, where we talked about multiple streams of income. And I shared some of my end of 2019 breakdown for my writing income. This episode is going to be sort of a similar format. And whereas last year, the emphasis really was having multiple streams of income. This year, the main takeaway that I would love to share with you is just the power 
of a backlist. So let me start kind of with the story. We're authors here <laughs> and story-based. 2020 was a very challenging year. As we all know, it was challenging for me personally, as well as for me as a business owner and a creative and an author. Our family got COVID, all five of us. We had it through November. We are feeling well, but took a toll. We also moved to a new community. We're living way more rural now. The move took a toll. My youngest son had his tonsils out two days before the state of Alaska shut everything down for the pandemic. And so we've had health concerns. We've had cross-state moves. This is my seventh year as a fiction author. And I, I started 2020 feeling a little bit creatively dry anyway. And then when the lockdown hit, I spent the first month or two just taking drastic measures to slow down. There are quite a few podcast episodes. If you go back and listen to the episodes released around March and early April, where I talk about the pandemic and its toll on the writing industry, and I shared more of what was going on in our lives personally. So there's already a record of that. But what I ended up doing is I took the fact that this was my seventh year of writing and the fact that I started the year feeling creatively dry, and then the fact that I deliberately slowed down in the spring and basically decided by midsummer, I think I had pretty much solidified that my plan was to just make 2020 my sabbatical year. So I didn't write new books. I dabbled little bits here and there. My word count, I'm sure, was significantly less than probably 50,000 words written the entire year, you know, and none of those have turned into something that is published as of right now. And I'm sharing this, first of all, because I want to be forthcoming. <laughs> Second of all, because I know many authors are in a similar situation. Maybe it wasn't as drastic for you. Maybe it was. And I want to, first of all, be able to like sit here and tell you, yeah, I took a year off of writing and I want to practice doing that without feeling ashamed because the fact that I'm an author coach, the fact that I've got courses on productivity for authors, I have a newly released course on creativity for authors, I talk about ways to prevent burnout. It's embarrassing. My temptation is to be embarrassed, I should say, or my inclination is to be embarrassed and ashamed to say, yeah, I didn't really write this year. But I absolutely recognize that it was the best decision for me to make. I don't regret that decision. And I'm sure that there are other authors who are listening to this who are in a similar boat, but who haven't yet been able to take ownership. So instead of saying 2020 was a terrible year and I could barely write a word, I'm saying 2020 was a hard year. And I am proud of the fact that I was able to take time off. I'm proud of the fact that I had the wisdom to recognize that my creativity needed to take a step back. And as a business owner, I'm extremely proud that I was able to step back and go a year without writing anything new and not have my income take a hit from it. And so that's what I want to talk about when I'm sharing some of my 2020 breakdown numbers in terms of income and expenses and what money was coming in from where and things like that. One of the real takeaways that I hope you get is this power 
of a backlist because so many authors are getting a significant majority of their income from the new releases. And if 80% or more of your monthly income comes from like the book that you wrote that month, then it really does foster this sense of, I can't slow down. If I were to slow down, my income would totally dry up. And so what I wanna share are some of the ways why, okay, so I, I published books for six and a half years and was able to take a sabbatical and not write anything new. And because I had a backlist and because I had invested time in marketing and building a readership, I was able to take a year to slow down. Now, I know that's not a luxury everybody has, and I definitely recognize that it's a blessing for sure that, you know, I worked really, really hard for six and a half years and really did the hustle so that I had the ability to take some time off. So maybe you're not at that point right now, but maybe it's something you can work towards. And here's the other thing. Some of you, the idea of taking an entire year off of writing, it's like the worst sounding idea in the world. And I've definitely, I was there for six and a half years thinking, no, I, I would never want to slow down. You don't have to slow down. You don't have to take a sabbatical year. Maybe all you do is take some of the things I talk about in terms of uh, extrapolating as much as you can from your backlist and setting things up in a smart way so that you just have a little bit more peace of mind or just more income coming in. It doesn't mean that everybody's got to take every seventh year totally off of writing or anything like that, but it is a truly powerful blessing to have a backlist that's working for you so that your income does become a lot more passive and you don't have to rely on just the next launch. So like I said, no new books written in 2020, but I did have some novellas that I was rapid releasing through the end of 2019 to early 2020. And then I had one standalone that was in the editing stages at the end of 2019 that I ended up publishing around April. So the, there were some new books released, but nothing new written. And thankfully, even though it was such a different year for me from a production standpoint, I'm basically ending 2020 having the gross amount of my income from my books being exactly the same, like within a couple thousand dollars. Um, I think, you know, we have a couple days left in 2020. I'm, I've done some tabulations, but don't have the final count, but I think Basically, I'm ending 2020 having earned about like, you know, about 95% of what I earned last year. I also had a major mistake. I went 12 months with the wrong royalty selected in my KDP account. So here's, here's a quick anecdote just as a warning for everybody. And I know everybody's aware that this is a potential, but man, it was a costly mistake for me. Um, I had a BookBub featured deal at the end of last year for one of my standalone novels. It was 99 cents. When it got raised back to full price, that little button that said, give me 70% royalties, not 35% royalties, did not get clicked. And I didn't catch it for 12 months. 
<laughs> and so basically that cost me four or five thousand dollars just in lost royalties plus I was seeing that this book was not bringing in as much money as it had last year and so I pulled back on ads so if that hadn't happened <laughs> I would have definitely ended the year right at where I was last year or maybe even a tad bit higher. And here's the other really cool thing. So first of all, it's really stinking amazing to have been able to go a whole year without writing new fiction and not having the income take a hit, right? Now, I'm not saying that the year was a breeze. I'm not saying the year was easy. If I had my choice, I would have loved to have continued to just push out the fiction and not have gone through this season of dry creativity, burnout, stress, pandemic, all of this stuff. But life happens. And like I said, I, I want to own the fact that I believe I made the right decision by slowing down. It was right for my family. I believe in the end, it's going to be right for my readers, right for my creativity, right for my brand. <laughs> Doesn't make it easy. But trying to find the silver lining in all of this. So that side of it was good, you know, just to be able to say, okay, you know, the the bank didn't take a hit. But the other really, really cool thing is my ad spend was significantly down this year. So actually my profit has been a lot more this year than it was last year. So my bottom line when all is said and done is about 35% more profit from uh, last year's numbers. So again, I don't want your takeaway to be that you need to take a year off and not write anything. I don't want your takeaway to be that we should all play victims and hate the fact that 2020 happened and sit here and complain. I want the takeaway to be that if you do the work and you set things up well, you can get out of having to rely on launches for your income. Not saying that needs to be the goal, but it's really nice to know that you can slow down should something drastic come up. And the reason that I was able to slow down and not have the income take a hit is because I've been working for years writing books, right? It starts with the hustle. And then in, in addition to that, it's having strategies in place so that your backlist books are still getting shown to readers. So some of the ways that I am trying to make the most out of my backlist, I've got Amazon ads running all the time for almost all of my series. I, I have a couple small series that I just consider my super deep backlist and they don't make money back with ads. But for I think all, yeah, all of my either suspense standalones or my suspense series, I've got Amazon ads just constantly running in the background. I do some maintenance, but it's gotten to where I don't need to spend, you know, dozens of hours a month creating new ads. I basically, I maintain the ads that I've got going and every so often I'll start new batches so that there's some rejuvenation going on. I've also got Facebook ads, BookBub ads, I focused less on those this year and focused more on the Amazon ads. When you compare my 2019 numbers, my Amazon ad spend was slightly up. My Facebook and BookBub ad spend was down. Some of that was because the Facebook ads and the BookBub ads are more time intensive to maintain. And I didn't keep up with that as much because I did slow down so drastically. 
But in addition to the paid ads, a few other things that I'm doing that are making the most of my backlist. I'm making sure that my back matter is really, really well optimized so that at the end of every book, there's a little, either a snippet, like a teaser or a blurb with the link to get the next book. So if it's a series, it's the next book in the series. And at the end of a series, I always ask myself, okay, what's the most logical next book? to sell someone to. So even just spending a little bit of time optimizing all of your back matter can be great. I ended up going away from the typical like note from the author and changed it up to something that's that reads more like a blurb, more like copywriting. If you liked this book, you're going to love this next book. Here's the link. So by optimizing the back matter, what that means is your job is to get one reader to read one of your books and then the back matter of those books will do all the rest of the work for you by continuing to sell your other books. Now, obviously, you need a good story or they're not going to want to come back. But assuming you've got that, you can optimize your back matter. And this can have some pretty dramatic effects. So, for example, in my nine book series, which is my longest series, before I really focused on optimizing my back matter, Around 30% or slightly below 30% of people who bought book one would go on to buy book two. And I just kept track of my sales numbers over time to get that. Once I optimized the back matter by taking out the kind of boring note from the author, you know, the I would like to thank this person, that person, and swapping it out for something a little bit, not a little bit, a lot more optimized for sales. So it's short, it's snappy, it's got hooks, it's got calls to action. It takes all of the good copywriting techniques that you learn from writing good blurbs and basically puts that in the back matter with a teaser, you know, some sample chapters and links to buy the books. And those links take you to the right store. So if you're reading it on Amazon, the link takes you to the Amazon store. If you're reading it in Nook, that link takes you to the Nook store and so on. By doing that, I was able to increase my read-through rate. So now it's about 45% of people who read book one go on to read book two. In certain stores, like the Apple store, that read-through rate is up to 60%. And so if it's a long series and you can increase the number of people who go on to, to read book one to book two by like 10 or 20%, that can have drastic impact on how much money you make overall. So I think at the very beginning, when I first did these calculations, every time I sold a book one, I would get maybe around $6 across the entire series on average. Now that's up to over $10 per book. So it makes a really, really drastic difference. So that is something that I would encourage you if you've got a lot of books out and you still feel like you can't slow down at all, I would definitely look at your back matter and get those optimized. And if you've got like 50 books and the thought of redoing all of your back matters is overwhelming, just start start with the books that you're publishing now. So the book, your next release, make sure that back matter is optimized. And the release after that, make sure that back matter is optimized. And then maybe just like once a month, go through and take three to five books or maybe one series a month and get the back matters optimize and it's absolutely going to help. And then the the other major thing that I'm doing to make the most of my backlist is I have an automated sequence that sells my backlist books to my newsletter subscribers. 
So my newsletter subscribers, when they're subscribed, they are enrolled in an automated welcome sequence that takes two or three weeks. It's, you know, here's things about me, here's things about these books. Once they get through that, they end up getting an email almost every Saturday for an entire year is how I've got it set up. Every Saturday, I'm sending an automatic email to them with a story or something funny or inspirational, or my readers really like hearing about Alaska. So, you know, tidbits about life in Alaska. And at the end of those emails, there's always a link to buy a book in my backlist. And so that's another thing that I've really been focusing on in order to keep the backlist selling in a way so that I don't have to be super hands-on and I can take time to slow down in a year like 2020 if I need to. So now that we've talked about just the power of a backlist and some of the things that I've been doing to get my backlist working well for me, let's talk a tiny bit about breakdowns for this year. So last year in my end of the year recap, I talked a lot about the power of being wide, having multiple streams of income. This year has been great for wide. So the biggest change this year from last year is actually I saw a huge increase in paperback sales. I think maybe some of this is pandemic related. People wanted to have physical products while they were home. I've also heard of people going back to print books because we're on screens so much now for work and entertainment and for social media that a lot of people are going non-digital for their reading because it's just, it's got a cozier feel. It's easier on the eyes. It's more relaxing. So those are the two reasons why I feel like paperback has really picked up for me this year. Another thing that really picked up for me this year is library sales. And this is from both ebooks and audiobooks. And I assume paperbacks because I'm also selling a lot of paperbacks through Ingram Spark. And I'm assuming that at least a decent portion of those are libraries as opposed to bookstores. And that makes a lot of sense too when there are a lot of people being laid off or worried about the state of the economy. Plus, they have extra time on their hands because they're working from home. It makes sense that digital library downloads and digital library borrows would be on the increase. Um, and like I said, I, I'm assuming that my paperback and print books are increasing in libraries because they're increasing. <laughs> it's either from bookstores or from libraries, and we don't really get that data from Ingram Spark. But it's a great time to make sure your books are in the library catalogs if you're wide. So the easiest way to do that is just to be set up through draft to digital and then your books end up in places like overdrive and things like that so that people can borrow them from their favorite library options and then for audiobooks a way to do that is through find a way so audiobooks are similar to last year making up about 10 percent of my total income this year paperbacks are making up 20 percent of my total income so last year they were about 10 percent. so in a way like my my print sales doubled this past year um, from the things we talked about. And the other thing that I did this year that I hadn't had set up last year is I have my paperbacks for at least some of my series now in large print. So that leaves 70% of my income coming from eBooks. 
And of that, 30% of those are in the wide stores and 70% of that is from Amazon. So what's really cool is that if you take my Amazon KDP ebook sales and compare it to my total sales, it only is making up half of my income this year. And that's kind of, that was always sort of the goal is to never have like one format and retailer take up more than half of what I'm doing. And so this was my first year where I can say that my Kindle ebook sales made up only half of my income. So like I said, some of that is because of the increase in paperbacks. Some of that is because audiobooks continue to do great. They were 10% of my income last year, 10% of my income this year. One of the big changes in audiobooks from this year to last year is I have a lot more of my books now on Findaway and my Findaway sales are about a third of my ACX sales. And so again, that's a way to get your audiobooks in all kinds of different places. Chirp has been a big boost for me. That's BookBub's kind of sister store that promotes discounted audiobooks. And again, the library downloads and things like that. Um, and so, yeah, I definitely recommend if you're kind of on the fence, I think it's a great time to consider audio. And I think it's also great to be in find a way. So what I do for those of you who just kind of want the practical how to do it, I start my audiobook through ACX just because that's, that's where I've got my narrator and things like that. And then I just create a contract that makes the audiobook non-exclusive. And so I pay the narrator outright and the ACX contract allows me to take those files when they're complete and do whatever I want with them. And so from the time the narration is complete, I set that up on Findaway and then Findaway distributes it everywhere else. So again, the super quick breakdown is 10% of my income came from audiobooks, 20% of my book sale income came from paperbacks, 70% came from ebooks, and the breakdown of the ebook sales was 70% of that came from KDP and 30% of my ebook sales came from the wide stores. I'm really happy with those results. I think the biggest thing that I would love to see between now and next year, when presumably I'll come and do another income breakdown end of the year recap, I would love to see more Kindle sales outside of com. So this year, I think it was like 96% of my Amazon sales are from the amazon.com store. I'm still really hoping to branch out into the international non-US Amazon markets. So I've got Amazon ads running now in Canada and the UK. The UK ones have taken off okay. They've spent maybe like $500 this year. The Canada ads I've set up have probably not spent more than like $50 this whole year. Um, so that would be the one area that I still would love to see a little bit more diversity. And I definitely hope to continue getting more traction in the wide ebook stores, as well as I really like seeing those library sales and more kind of streaming options growing, things like Scribed and Overdrive that you can get to through draft to digital. I'm really happy to see those increasing and hope that the same happens this coming year. 
So that wraps up the end of the year report, and I hope it gave you some ideas of takeaways, whether that's going to find a way to get audiobooks out there or going wide to get into some of the streaming and library services or just really focusing on your backlist, which can buy you a little more peace of mind and give you the freedom to slow down should you need to. So thanks again for joining me for another year of the Successful Writer Podcast. If you want to go back and listen to previous episodes, last January we published a lot of episodes about things like goal setting and tips for being a healthier writer. Those would be good ones to go back and revisit. And please don't forget, if you're listening to this in time, on January 3rd, 2020, we are having our virtual goal setting retreat together. And you can get an invite to that by making a donation of any size you want to our Liberty in North Korea fundraiser at courses.alanatary.com fundraiser. That's going to take you to my specific fundraising page, which is the one that uh, we're going to use to get those invites and then just forward me your receipt to coach at alanatary.com. Like I said, all that goes directly to Liberty in North Korea. So I actually don't get your contact information or anything like that. That's why I need you to forward your receipt to me. And I hope that you can join us for our planning retreat. I hope that you had a wonderful Christmas and holiday season. And I hope that you are feeling excited and energized and inspired thinking about 2021.